Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel one by one. We will be spoiler free of details from future episodes, but full spoilers from episodes we have discussed in podcast past. <laughs> I'm Jason, and if you thought that all the sadness was just going to be in Buffy season six... Angel Season 3 is here to say, hold my Manhattan. <laughs> and I'm Harrison, and while I'm delighted to not have to deal with Holtz this week, I'm less than delighted to deal with Justine. Oh my god. I almost forgot her name. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> Jason, what episode are we watching today? We are watching Angel Season 3, Episode 17, Forgiving. This is the one where there isn't really any forgiving, mm-hmm. so that title's a red herring. Um, this is the one where, uh, after uh, Connor has been kidnapped by Holtz and is now in a hell dimension, Angel first does whatever he can to try to get to that hell dimension, and when that doesn't work, he decides, you know what? Just gonna fucking kill everybody responsible for this. Mm-hmm. Forgiven was written by Jeffrey Bell and was directed by Tori Meyer and originally aired on April 15th, 2002. Oh, all right, Jason. Yeah. We're, we're mixing it up this week. Actually, it was John who mixed it up. That's true. <laughs> um, we've got some Manhattans. Yeah. Um, it was the funny. Af- the aforetime mentioned. Yeah. We were like trying to decide what we were going to be drinking, and it was going to be pretty standard what we've been drinking in the last couple of weeks. Um, and then John walked in with a big old bottle of bourbon that he had bought, and I was <laughs> like, ooh, we can make Manhattans. <laughs> Which, incidentally, is why he bought the bourbon. There you <laughs> go. Um, he... Yeah, uh, I said, thanks for making the drinks, John. I was like, I was going to make them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jason, would you like to toast us? Uh, sure. Um, Don't blow your load on a really, really good one, because we've got a couple weeks of Angel. <laughs> I, I can't believe that you would insinuate that I would blow my load <laughs> on anything. <laughs> Um, here is to all of the good things that have happened to you and John recently. Uh-huh. Um, sure. yeah, there's, there's plenty of, in this world, there's plenty of awful shit to focus on. So taking a break from that awful shit to enjoy some of the good things in life. And I think you guys both had some good things happen as uh-huh. of late. So thank you, Jason. Oh. Cheers to that. And cheers to the good things in your life as well. I think that's around the corner. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right now, it's just a break from the stress is what I need. Yes. Hey, three-day weekend coming up, though. Yeah, four-day for me. Well, you don't have to take away the joy of this, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> We're just going to jump into the episode now? Oh, yeah. I didn't, you're, just, I, you're just staring at me like a goon. I, I was just waiting for you to start the episode. All right. Um, I guess we do usually have some banter, but I... This episode is packed. Yeah. It gives us a lot of revelations as to... Which is actually a fairly appropriate choice of words. (laughs) A lot of revelations as to the motivations behind basically this entire 
storyline uh, involving Connor. And it's so funny because at some point during this episode, um, Jason was like, we still don't even know why Sajan is doing this. And I'm very confident. We was like, and we won't for quite a while. And I honestly <laughs> could not remember for the life of me if it is... Not until a later episode when we find out why this happened. No, it's this episode. It's this episode. Yeah. You totally, you were, you were, that is the, the trick with being confident because I was like, I said it with my full chest and you were like, okay, yeah. And then I was just wrong. Yeah, I should know by now never to, never to trust anything that you say. I feel like, I feel like if we're in a Buffy episode, you can feel pretty confident that I'm right most of the time. Uh, about at least about like continuity stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Angel, I'm gonna be iffier on. You were you were not right about the Double Meat Palace. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that is true. You're right. You're right. But damn, I, I just keep myself <laughs> wrong. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know what? I honestly only remember a few more things from the rest of the season. I don't even remember how it ends. Uh, so it'll be a journey. I'm gonna um, do a. I'm gonna do a. a motion with my hands to see if that triggers anything for you. Well, I knew... Well, yeah, that was one thing, but I don't remember, like, exactly what okay. happens. Um, lot, a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, I don't remember... Like, I can... How we get there. Yeah, I can think of the ending of I guess season I, four. Like, I've got the ending of season four of Angel all in my head. Like, oh, yeah, totally remember gotcha. that. I took you way too literal. I was like, no, this is exactly how the season ends. This is the final scene of the season. Mm-hmm. And I was like, <laughs> I forgot that other things have to happen. Yeah. Um, but we start off with, uh, so I like that even though this episode is packed full of story and just a whole bunch of stuff going on, we start off with this very sobering shot of Angel just looking around the destroyed apartment that was originally his and Connor's room and he looks at the empty crib and he he very much is suffering. Yeah. And just as just as Lila said, uh oh, we get some Lila in this episode too. Yeah, we, we, get, do. we get a little bit of everybody. Uh so then we go to Gunn and Fred. They are looking through Wes's apartment, listening to his answering machine, which is just full of calls from Fred. And I I couldn't tell... This was a weird thing. Because the two messages from Fred that we listen to are identical. They're the same message, same... So I couldn't tell if it was just she listening to the message on repeat. Or if it was meant to be she's listening to all the messages. I think she's listening to all the messages. And and behind the scenes they just got a little lazy. It's just the same call. Yeah. And uh, Fred is visibly freaking out. Yeah. And... It kind of struck me this time uh, watching it that oh, the reason that she's freaking out, I mean, obviously the idea that Wes could betray them at all, um, you know, freaks her out. But again, this Fred has kind of no, uh, come to know Angel Investigations as her family. Mm-hmm. And while Gunn, who has been betrayed a couple of times <laughs> in this series, is handling it a lot better, um, you know, this is this is something new for Fred. She's like, I can't I can't. She can't fathom what yeah. it was, what it's like to have some people that she fully trusted, Wes being one of them, to just do something like this. Like yeah. She's looking for an answer. She's getting desperate to find an answer. 
there's some great, um, just like lots of little interpersonal moments between all the characters in this episode. Um, one in this scene, uh, is, um, when they're get, going out to the car, Wes, or she, Gunn's basically like, I don't remember what Gunn says, but he's, she's like, so you just want me to stop trying? And Gunn just like very softly is like, no, I want you to keep trying. Um, and it was, it's such a little moment, but it was like, it, Gunn's not freaking out on the surface the way that Fred is. He's a lot more collected, but it really highlights how important it is to him, even though he's not being quite as emotional about it. Also, um, very a couple of, like indications, like uh, later in the episode when she like freaks out a little bit, he calls her like he says like, "Oh, calm down, babe." And so it's like kind of showing how their relationship has progressed. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's good that they have that because it's something for them to lean on in this moment. Yeah, Gunn and Fred's whole dynamic in this episode is great because even though none of this is about their relationship it's all about external factors it's about um it's about where is wesley it's about their grief over connor it's about worrying that angel's gonna cross a line um you know none of this their their dynamic in the episode is about them as a couple but all of it shows how strong of a couple they have become Mm -hmm. and how they support each other through all of this yeah uh, and so they decided they're gonna just that um, Fred says Fred suggests that they should look for Wesley's diaries because he, you know, keeps track of pretty much everything. And uh, she's also gonna keep trying to, as he said, she's gonna keep trying to call him. And uh, and so they don't know that uh, we get a little pan to um, remember Wes didn't even make it to his car. When he was taking Connor from his apartment before Justine slit his throat. And he's still just still just lying in the park. Uh, it's so brutal of a cut. You know, we just cut to them driving away, the pan over to the you see to the cell phone. The cell phone first, and then him, and he's not not thirty feet away. Yeah. Um This is something that I kind of noticed on this. I I will say, I wish they had done a little more to show him having tried to, like, tie something around his wound or something. It is stretching. Just lying there for a while with this open throat wound. Yeah, it's stretching plausibility. But something I realized, you mentioned how packed this episode is. In my mind, this episode is takes place over the course of like two days but it doesn't it's, it's like one night it's one night yeah. i mean this episode takes place at, over the course of several hours mm-hmm. at most like i'd say six hours at most and so much happens yeah uh, it's wild uh we go to holtz's lair and so i think this episode is actually really really good <laughs> yeah what brings it down is justine Harrison has been just adamant about how much he dislikes Justine. She's never really ruffled my feathers until this episode. And I think it's because anytime we've seen Justine, Holtz has been there. And you take away Holtz, you take away the entire modus operandi of the sto- of her story. Yeah. And just how weak of a character she is. And unfortunately, I, I mean, I hate saying this, but how 
weak of an a- weak of an actor the person portraying her is. Yeah. Um, it just it does not. She can't carry anything. She can't. I because I would make the argument that. Justine should be her most interesting she's ever been in this episode. She's been abandoned by the man that I think it's implying that she was in love with. Yeah. I don't care for that, but it's... I don't care for anything about this, about her. So, I mean, I guess... They kind of hinted at it when uh, Holtz was trying to drive to, what, Utah? Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. This would be your mother. Yeah, and... But yeah, this episode, it really did seem like that she felt some sort of attraction to yeah. Holtz, yeah. which isn't great. No. I mean, it's, <laughs> nothing about this character is really great. I would have preferred it if they had stuck with the... Because Fred mentions when she, they're confronting Justine that, you know, Holtz's betrayal must have been like losing a father. And I was like, that would have been a more interesting dynamic, honestly. But... Um, but no, it's just like, yeah, she's been betrayed by him. She's lost him. Her whole world has been upended again. Um, she's feeling, we see she's feeling some guilt over what she did to Wesley. Like all of this on paper sounds like we're getting some interesting shades to Justine as a character, but in practice, we're just... Yeah, and she does, and she does so much in this episode too, but... Yeah, she comes back and, you know, there's some, tr- like, there's still some people there practicing uh, fighting the vampires and she just comes in and kills them. She's like, no more practicing. Um, Holtz is gone. He took, he took the vampire's son. Like, well, what do we do now? We're gonna kill Angel. Yeah, we're <laughs> like, you know, we're gonna kill the vampire. Yeah. Yeah, I think you mentioned this while we were watching. It, it, this scene just falls really flat. It, you know, that should be a really demonstrative like we're going to war and it's just like she just cannot I mean in the script she can command the room but in performance you know I don't want to say whether I think this uh, Laurel Holloman I think is her name yes I don't want to say if I if she's a good or a bad actor because I've not seen her in anything else I'm not familiar with yeah. her but this performance it's is not, not it great. it's not it and it's and just the amount of time that she's given in this episode really kind of brings that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, Gunn and Fred get back to the hotel, and they did not... They had not been... Like, the details of Wes taking Connor have not been confirmed to them. Yeah. They um, just thought it was something that would happen. That's why they went to go find Wes. Um but when they get back, Lorne says, yeah, all of, like, this all happened. I read him, and, you know, and uh, he also tells them about the portals, or the portal to the uh, hell dimension. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that triggers Fred. Triggers Fred bad. Yeah. Well, because, like, you know, she's getting Pylea memories now. Yeah. They, you know, they Fred has... I feel like Fred's recovery has been from, you know, the PTSD from Pylea has been pretty easy, but you know, it was, it was a thing for the first few episodes of season three, but after that, not really, not really much. Um, and you know, I, as far as entertaining and watchable television goes, I'd prefer that because, 
Um, this is a show about a vampire with a soul who is also a private detective. Um, and we don't have time for all that other wacky <laughs> shit. Um, and, you know, I, and it, it's, 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 the show does treat these things, um, with seriousness, but as we've seen in season six of Buffy, you know, those arcs of recovery from these things can be difficult to pull off. And so I, honestly, I prefer that the show has just kind of, Fred recovered pretty quickly and is fine. But it, this scene works so much to show that even though she is fine in the general sense and is functioning and has found good support, she still, you know, that's still there in her. And um, and it's it's a part of her own PTSD of the, the experience and a combination of this um, massive empathy that Fred experiences because she's not she's obviously putting this through the terms that she understands but she's so worried for connor i think the part that really gets me is when she's ta- she after she describes what it feels like to go through the portal she just her next line is he must have been so scared yeah nothing to hold on to yeah and i mean fortunately he's a baby so <laughs> someone was holding on to him yeah <laughs> Um, and you know, and Lauren says like, Hey, he read this from Wes and, and Gunn is, this is when we see Gunn get upset and he says, like, well, you read him wrong. Yeah. They're besties. He can't believe that he would do this. Yeah. None, neither of them believe that, um, he, he was, that Wes could do that. Uh, Lauren says that, um, he'd been, Wes had been meeting in secret with Holtz, uh, without telling them. And uh, at this point, Angel appears and he says he's going to get Connor back and then he'll deal with everyone responsible, including Wesley. Mm-hmm. Um, Kortoth is the name of the hell dimension. Yeah, that's a cool name. It is. I like it. Use it anytime you're using like a, making up a fantasy like word, like name or place, using a QU is a, is a great place to start. Uh, there's one point um, when uh, when Linwood is uh, is basically summing up stuff the stuff that happened in the previous episode, and his sentence starts off with "So Sajan opens the portal to Kortoth," and I'm like, "This is a silly script." <laughs> just like just like when Xander randomly said, "We live interesting lives." <laughs> Like that is a lot of made up words. <laughs> it's um, that was something that uh, I was reading an interview with um, uh, fuck, what's her name? She uh, Tignataro. Um, oh, when she was on Star Trek. On Star Trek, she was talking about how she's like, in her character in particular, is an engineer. So she's like, those lines are really hard to learn. You're just saying a bunch of made up words and like. Yeah, I remember when uh, when I saw the TNG. Uh, cast at a panel um, when they were in Louisville they uh, um, one thing that uh, Marina Sirtis who plays Deanna Troy says like I cannot believe that LeVar and Brent were able to just rattle off 
minutes and minutes of this techno babble dialogue versus LeVar Burton, who played Jordy LaForge, mm-hmm. and Brent Spiner, who played Data. Yes. And yes, there's a lot of techno babble from them. And see, she got off lucky. All, all of her lines were just saying, I sense, and then saying something, <laughs> you know, they're being shot at. She's like, I sense they're angry. <laughs> I love Deanna Troy, but. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> she did not have to deal with as much techno babble. Yeah. Uh, so Lauren says he's never heard of Portoth, and so he tries to, and so he says that they need to research it, and um, the best way that they're going to be able to do that is to find Sajan, mm-hmm. um, because he's the one who opened that portal. Yeah. Gunn tries to kind of say like you know. The last time we opened the portal, he, he yes. goes out of his way not to say Wesley's name. At the, but... yeah, at the end of this scene and at the beginning of the next scene with Angel Investigations, it is very clear that they are not as good as at the research mm-hmm. as Wesley is. Yep. Nerd. Yeah. Nerd. <laughs> Baby snatcher nerd. It's a weird thing to say. It's in, it, is it inaccurate? No, it is accurate. <laughs> He, he, like, whatever his reasons, he did baby snatch. He did baby snatch while being a nerd. Because <laughs> he's always a nerd. <laughs> um, so then we go to Wolfram and Hart, and as I mentioned before, Linwood does come in, and uh, Lila is writing a report about everything that happened, and Linwood's just like, so, all this shit went down, and uh, you did all this behind my back, and Lila uh, says... I can inform, I can assure you, I wrote this all down, this report that I'm just finishing and I'm going to give to you in the morning. That was a thin report for everything that went down. <laughs> I'm sorry, that looked like one or two sheets of paper. Um. Lila, Lila just gets to the point. No, no pussyfooting. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, and, and she does say that, uh, you know, she couldn't really do anything because there was a gun to her head. And I feel like had Holland been there, he would have said, well, I mean, kind of hard to tell. I mean, you should just let them shoot you then. Yeah. <laughs> Linwood does seem more lenient to Lila's mistakes than Holland was. I think Holland also had Lindsay and Lila to play off of one another. Um, and so... He always had that in his back pocket of like, well, if one of them really fucks up, I can kill them. And I've still got the other, but... It does just seem like there should be a little more to it than this. Yeah. uh, Just given what we know of Wolfram and Hart. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I would suspect... They don't... They don't confirm this or out and out say it, but I do feel that Lila has some value uh not just in her skill which she is very skilled at what she does despite you know this whole situation um but she is only second to Lindsay in the wolfram of the wolfram and heart employees in getting under angel's skin um so i feel like that threat is always there that, that you are disposable at least to her face but I think they've probably noticed that, like, Lila is a good tool to use against Angel. Yeah. And unfortunately, 
since Lila knows that she did all of this without, like, you know, she went against the firm Mm -hmm. and their plans, and now Connor's gone and, you know, Angel's still around, uh, she knows that she's going to get blamed for this. Yup. So, maybe the comeuppance is coming. Uh... Your uppance will come. <laughs> uh, My uppance has come before, yes. <laughs> so, um, as the team is doing their research, they can't find any mention of Sajan. They try every single spelling. Um, and they and Fred mentions an alternative source they could look at, but it's in Grinjar or something. Grinjar. Some, it's some demon language. Yeah, and she doesn't speak I assume. It. I... <laughs> and so that's when Fred says... You know, we should call Cordelia. And Angel's like, don't. And uh, she's like, Cordelia should know about this. And this is when we finally get Angel, like, his determination that we've seen for this first part of the episode breaks. Mm -hmm. He says, she's going to come back. When she comes back, she's going to have presents for Connor. And Connor's going to be here to open them. Yeah. This really worked for me. I mean, the real reason they're not calling Cordelia is that Charisma Carpenter's vacation has not ended. Yeah. Um, but there's not any... I actually... I like... They could have easily have said, like... <laughs> gosh bless you. They could have said, gosh bless you. It would have not made sense, but they could have. Um, they could have said, oh, she doesn't have service there. We can't get her on the phone. They could have said... I mean, we're only, like, an hour or two out from all this. They could have said, she's on the plane, but it's you know, gonna take however long it takes. All that would have been fine. I prefer that they they go an emotional route instead and, uh, you know, make his refusal more about his denial of the situation. It's very interesting. Um, Yesterday, uh, I had lunch with my brother and we watched the episode of Scrubs where... um, like they go through the five stages of grief uh-huh. with that one uh, patient dying. Yeah, and um, my brother mentioned that uh, you know, categor like categorizing everything in just like five distinct stages in that particular order is a little bit of generalization. It's sure. not necessarily applicable to everything. But I are I said that um, you know, I think that you can still experience those definitive stages just in different in a different order and you know we start off with um honestly i'd say if anything we start off with bargaining like angels mm-hmm. and we go back to bargaining and uh yeah. but at this point we at this point there's um just denial yeah and then you know he says forget it and immediately goes to anger and they're like oh he's decided to just skip to the finding who's responsible yeah no, I agree with what your brother says and what you say. Like the, the the five stages of grief are an interesting tool, but they it's you know it's there's nuance to that. Like mm-hmm. you're no one experiences them in the same way, and yeah, some people last longer, and some some skip steps. Um, sometimes you get to acceptance and periodically go back to some of the other. You know, I have I I have a friend who. Um, died by suicide when I was 19 years old. Um, and, you know, I'm, that was over 10 years ago. I, I got to acceptance. And there are times where I do go back into the bargaining stage. And I, I just, you know, I think about him or... And, you know, I kind of go through it again. Um, 
my grandmother passed away in 2020. She died of COVID. I have made it to, you know, I've, I grieved. I got through all of that. I got to acceptance. And every once in a while, I find myself in the anger stage of that over, you know, who was negligent and how did my grandmother get COVID when she was living in a nursing home. And, you know, I know it's more complicated than that, but like, um, it's, it is not a, oh, we're going to go through steps one, two, three, four, five, and yeah. we're all good. Yeah. It's, it's messy. Yeah. The thing about, the thing about the way that the five steps are depicted sometimes is that, Oh, once you reach acceptance, that's the end of it. You're good mm-hmm. to go. And uh, I think that's the point that my yeah. that my brother have been trying to make. And yeah, I agree with that. I mean, acceptance isn't necessarily the end. I mean, you can you can lose somebody and you're gonna be sad about it for a lo- like probably for the rest of your life. Yeah. So it, it's just that you know it comes in waves. Um. So then we have a. Uh, Wes is finally found by somebody, a homeless man, and uh, and he's like, "Oh man, this wasn't a mugging at all. You like, you all right, man?" And like, they leave you with any ID? And he like looks at his wallet and finds all that money that Wes had drawn out to basically, you know, mm-hmm. take Connor somewhere safe, and uh, and uh, so the guy's like, "Oh well." It's a mugging now. And then drags him out of sight. Yeah. This is weird. Yeah, I don't... I The I, whole bit where he's like, it's not a mugging. Like, I, I was like, okay, do you think he... Like, okay. Someone's been attacked in a very violent way, and they've not been robbed. Okay. It's personal. Um, So I was like... The way he acts, it's like, does he think he's gonna... Like, gonna be targeted or something it's very strange like yeah it's it doesn't fit it yeah this scene has no bearing on anything else that happens in the rest of the episode yeah because you know justine eventually tells them oh he's in the park near his apartment and so they were able to find him uh uh fred and or somebody was able to find him yeah so it, it it's yeah it just doesn't make any it's, sense as yeah. to why they do this i i think the idea maybe is to maybe explain why cuz they, they he drags uh him like out of sight like behind some bushes so i i i guess it's like to explain why no one finds him for so long but i'm like i don't know i don't need that explained i yeah. it's it's this all if if we had gone into the next day and his body was just lying there on the ground in a public park in broad daylight, then I'd be like, well, that's weird. But, like, this time period is so short. Yeah, this doesn't really do anything. It's weird. Yeah. You could cut this and not lose anything from this episode. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, Lauren comes back to the hotel. uh, Angel's looking at the weapons cabinet. Um, Do you think he's thinking about... uh, He's... It looks... The only weapon that's in the shot is the broadsword. Um, do you think he's thinking about, like, this is kind of a reference to when he was saying, like, to Connor, oh, this is daddy's favorite broadsword? Um, or do you think it's just him just kind of looking? I think visually and thematically, yes. <laughs> I think... Was it intended? Probably not. I Well, it could be. I think... I don't think that's what Angel is thinking. I think what Angel is thinking is, what should I use 
to kill people. Uh, or well, because we're leading into the scene with Linwood. Yeah. So I think he's. I think he's literally just being right. Deciding You're what right, tools. Because this wants. is when he like goes through and just picks up random things from the office. Yeah. I forgot about that. But I do think... I'm terrible at summarizing no, 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 episodes. No, no, no. <laughs> but you're right, though. They they do have him deliberately... It's it's both things. Like, yeah, the they, shot lingers on the broadsword. Exactly. So we are... We're, we're doing both things. We're doing both the plot thing, the character motivation thing, and the emotional thematic mm-hmm. thing all in one shot. Which, that's just good TV, friends. There you go. Uh, so, uh, Lauren has been asking around, and he does not have good news. Uh, Kortoth is, uh, just one of the worst demon dimensions, and, uh, that Sajan didn't open a portal. You can't get there via portal. You actually have to open a, rip a hole in reality. Metal. (laughs) Really is. Also, someone just go tell Fred. That'll really calm her down. She'll feel a lot better about that. Yeah, and... And that's that, that's the only way that you can get there. Uh, it would take a large amount of dark magic to even attempt to do that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, oh well, he's saying this. Angel goes uh, leaves from the weapon chest and uh, like picks up a staple remover, and then he picks up. Um, I'm not exactly sure what it is. It's, it's, a- it's those memo holders. Yeah, where you like. Yeah, you stab just stab the memo. The, yeah, you just stab the memo. Very old school. It yeah. seems seems like something West would have, but he just takes off all the memos off of that and starts walking upstairs. And so sorry, <laughs> I just I really want I just I remembered this, and I want to just shout it out before we get into this next kind of intense scene. Um, there when they're going through the research and trying to figure things out, Gunn has a line where he's just like. Uh, the files are in English. Cordelia's filing system isn't. <laughs> um. <laughs> There's some good, like, even though it's not intentionally funny, uh, at least Angel's not intending to be funny. He's just like, oh, some time-traveling, time-traveling uh, hell demon. It's like, okay, so should I look up time-traveling hell or demon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so some good back and forth. Yeah. But then This we... episode was funnier than I There's some expected. funny moments. Yeah. But then there's also some really heart-wrenching moments. Yeah. Uh, Angel walks, and so um, Lauren is following following Angel up the stairs, and she's like, hey, you know, like, even if you were able to get in there, finding Connor would be next to impossible. It would be like finding a needle in a haystack the size of China. And it was like, and Angel just says, needles. Should have thought of that. Opens the door, and Linwood is tied to a chair. Yeah. You want to talk about fucking metal. <laughs> fucking metal. So Lawrence realizes, oh, you're going to torture this guy for information. And he tries to tell uh, Angel it's not like this isn't a demon. This is a human being, sort of. <laughs> it's hard to consider anybody that knowingly works for Wolfram and Hart uh, human. Uh, I do like that Lauren added that in there. <laughs> Um, well, the show has to be has to be careful about how it's doing this, and I think it does toe the line really well because I mean there are times that maybe this is just this, I'm a fucked up person maybe, but there are times where I kind of want to be like shut up, Lauren, let him torture him. He kidnapped his son, like he's responsible, even is, though he wasn't. Like yeah, it, it's really hard to feel pity for any of these Wolfram Hard characters, yeah. even even the Lila because. 
you know, we... Yeah, I love Lila. Yeah, I don't we, pity her. Yeah, we mentioned before <laughs> how there have been a couple times that her mother has been brought up uh, and we're just aware of the situation. That doesn't necessarily mean that we pity her at all. Yeah. Because, you know, girls done deplorable shit. Oh, you have a, you have a sick mom... Yeah, I love Sorry. watching her do evil things, but there is still evil things. And yeah, and I think that's why uh, Game of Thrones spoilers here. That's why the death of Cersei mm-hmm. rang so hollow. Yeah, because in the end, like they tried to just depict her as this like scared, scared little girl who like dies with her brother. Yeah, um, and and in the end, that like you know nobody really felt pity for her. She did horrible things. Yeah. Uh, true monster through and through yeah and, and she never answered for those crimes which uh, even in death she just... yeah i mean one could argue oh well you know she like daenerys like tore the shit out of king's landing so technically she was executed but it like she still didn't answer yeah. for her crimes it's uh, yeah like I, I i um i feel that game of thrones the Game of Thrones finale doesn't deserve all of the hate that it gets, but there are some legit grievances yes. uh, that are very common amongst it, and that's probably one of them. The end of Cersei and Jaime. And Jaime, yeah. Although technically that happens at the end of the second to last episode. We just find their bodies at the beginning of the yeah, last well, episode. Well, that's your revelation. But still. Yeah, that's your revelation. It's just such a disappointing episode, uh, end for a great character who... You know, I spent two eight, great characters. Two great characters who, uh, and for Cersei in particular, I spent eight years loving watching her do horrible things. Yeah, and, you're weird. And <laughs> no, but no, but let me finish right, the end of that. <laughs> loving watching her do horrible things, uh, and being so stoked to see her get what's coming to her. <laughs> and um, and I just was like, oh, okay, sure, sure. And then, you know, I spent eight seasons loving Jamie's character development and watching him grow as a person. And then at the last minute, go, derp, never mind. Derp, 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 derp. Anywho. <laughs> so, Linwood is just like, you know, saying, oh, when the firm finds out about this, and Angel says, they'll kill you before they kill me. And Linwood's like, oh, man, he's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so then, uh, Lord says, "Do you know what you're doing?" and and Linwood says, "Well, like I can let I can start kidnapping, torturing, and then uh, Angel's like just holding this. Apparently, it's a spindle. Okay, he holds the spindle close to close to uh, Linwood's face, and he says, like, and you know, I won't bring any of those up. In fact, let's not bring up any charges. <laughs> what a wuss! This whole scene, um." The way it was staged, um, not necessarily the brutality of it, because it doesn't really get brutal at all. Angel doesn't actually torture him, but it was reminding me of the Faith and Wesley torture scene in season one. Oh, yeah. Just in the way that it was it was blocked. Um, and, like, you know, we're in a tight space, that, and, you know, an apartment and so, building. And something that's brought up later, uh, you know, we know, we've seen Angelus torture Giles. Yeah. Um, and... But this isn't Angelus. I mean, that was kind of like our a big thing last season. Mm-hmm. Um, this was that was Angel like just giving up his soul without becoming Angelus, mm-hmm. and now this is like oh, 
this is him in like probably his deadliest without yeah. being angelus i agree um and so then linwood and then linwood says like all right i take out my cell phone speed dial three which of course is Lila. <laughs> I wonder if Angel it would have been so funny if Angel just rolled his eyes and be like, God damn it. Alright, so Linwood Lila is number three on Linwood's speed dial. So now in this time, I believe one is was always voice. Or maybe it is voicemail. It was voicemail on the phones I had, but I didn't get a cell phone until a few years after this would have aired. No, but. no, that makes sense, though. One would be voicemail. So, two, we would presume, is maybe a wife. Oh, um, I would assume it was a boss. Oh. Like a higher up at Wolferman Hart. Okay. Not necessarily a senior partner or anything, mm-hmm. but whoever Linwood's superior is. Okay, alright. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, that tracks. But yes, he says that uh, Angel's... He says that a client is coming to Wolferman Hart and he'll get the firm's full support. Um... Gunn and Fred find Holtz's lair, and uh, Justine is there. They want to know. They want to know where Wesley is, um, and that's when Fred has has the realization, like, "Oh wow, so you're just you're just not feeling great. You you've been abandoned by Holtz." And then they imply father relationship, something more than that. Um, and Justine's like, "Oh well, you know what? Uh, you know what? Um, you're not gonna get out of here." Uh, and and so uh, Holt, like all of Holtz's troops uh, start fighting mostly gun uh, Justine does uh, smack Fred which Mm-mm. Fred which Fred repays her later in the episode yeah. in kind and um, gun puts up a pretty good fight as as he does yeah. he's, he's Charles Gunn man badass motherfucker uh, but he uh, but you know there's a lot it's him against a lot of them and one of them holds a knife to his throat and that immediately makes Justine think of um, of Wes holding a knife to her throat and so she just says like no just get out of here doesn't help them but (laughs) get get out of here Um, so Lila is Lila is excited uh, with Angel being there because now, um, because Linwood says he wants Lila to take Angel to the White Room. Yeah. And she didn't even learn about this until she had been there for three years. Still doesn't know what it is. Um, so they go into the elevator. Angel's not mincing words here. Like, Angel could very much have just been like, I'm gonna fucking kill you when this is done. But he's just like, <laughs> no, I'm trying to just figure out all that I can about Sajan. And, uh, there's like a... He gets into the elevator. He has like little notes from Linwood. I keep wanting to say Holland, but that's not the case. <laughs> but um, and so he punches certain numbers and then pulls the e stop button, and uh, this causes a mystical like uh, white pearly button to appear mm-hmm. above all the other floor buttons. So the buttons he presses. Thank you, Wiki. Uh, oh. Are 18, 23, 20, 28, 27. Um, Any significance? I don't know, actually. It doesn't... It, nothing listed as significant at all. Um, as I was saying those numbers, though... Were I was you thinking of the lost I numbers? Was, I was like, <laughs> these aren't the lost numbers. Well, one of them is. But um, I was like, these aren't the lost numbers. And it would have, of course, been... Like, it's before the lost, lost numbers would have existed... 
I mean, the numbers existed because numbers have existed for a long time. <laughs> but um, it's, it's 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42. 42. I, I knew this kid in middle school when the show, like, the show had just gotten started airing and was like really popular. Um, there was this one kid in my class who just loved whispering the numbers to himself. He was just like... You can just hear him. He'd just be sitting at his desk, like working on something, and just go, 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42. 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42. We're working on like a history paper or some <laughs> shit. <laughs> it's like, um, that's interesting. Uh, it's really funny because then Lyle says, like, oh, you should probably give that to me for safekeeping. And he just like puts it in his pocket. He, he has no time for Lila's shit at this moment. Uh, but yes, they get absorbed by light, and they are in an actual white room. Yeah. So, I like how literal Wolfram and Hart is being. And, uh, they're walking and they see a little girl sitting on a chair. This is one of the Panabakers. Really? This is not Danielle, who, Danielle Panabaker is, um, uh, she was in Sky High, she just came off of a... She was in The Flash. Yeah, like a nine-year run on The Flash. Um, Kay Panabaker. She's, this is Kay Panabaker, her younger sister, who has gotten out of acting and has gotten into zoology. Okay. It's really fucking cool. Uh, but yeah. I remember... I, I, I Every time I see this girl, I always go, oh, it's Danielle Panabaker. And I'm like, no, it's the other one. <laughs> I have been mean to rewatch Sky High for a while. That movie rocks. I have seen Sky High exactly once when it was in theaters. My dad took me to see it. And that movie, my memory of that movie is that it fucking slaps. No, and I, from what I've heard from people, it still holds up. It holds up? Yeah. It's like Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Daniel Panabaker. I mean, Scott Pilgrim before Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. With Mary Elizabeth Winstead like plays the villain, right? Yes, because, but like the secret villain. Well, because it's like, oh my, my girlfriend, like, uh, my girlfriend became my arch enemy. My arch enemy became my best friend. My best friend became my girlfriend. Oh, that's that. I believe that's what he says at the end of the movie. Yeah, Michael Angarano, Kurt Russell, Kelly Preston, Daniel Panabaker, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, um. There's Linda char- Carter. There's a character in there called War and Peace. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Stephen Strait plays that character. Um, Linda Carter is the principal. Um, Bruce Campbell is the gym coach. Yeah. Uh, Cloris Leachman. Jim Rash. We love Jim Rash. This is a pro-Jim Rash podcast. I mean... I don't know if there are many anti-Jim yeah, Rash podcasts. Yeah. If you're very- anti-Jim Rash, then... He's a very I don't want to know you. Popular man. <laughs> I'm Dean DeClaire. <laughs> we didn't say Deanelganger. We said Doppeldiener. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Oh, where were we? Oh yeah, the we little were, girl. Yeah, little girl. Um, and this is a cool scene. Yeah, I like this. Um, I. I'm a sucker is, for a creepy little girl in a weird, empty space. Is it a trope? Yes, yeah. it is. Is it done well here? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, she, uh, you know, at times she seems like a sweet little girl, but then uh, she's like, oh, do you want your little baby back? And <laughs> Angel almost goes for her. 
And I love how she says, like, uh, oh, I'll, I'll give you, um, like, I'll give you the information, but, you know, it'll cost you. Kill her. And Angel, like, immediately just grabs Lila's head. It's like, oh, nope, stop. That's enough. Uh, <laughs> dude didn't hesitate. I mean... I mean, he, I don't even think he needs a reason at this point. Not, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, Lila is lucky that little white room girl's reflexes are fast. I love, though, the way she just kind of giggles. She's like, I just wanted to see if you do it. <laughs> uh, but yes, she says that um, Sajan is a Granok demon, and they were basically these instruments of torture and death. Uh, the senior partners thought they caused too much chaos. So what they did was they made them immaterial. They made mm-hmm. them like completely like phasing through everything. And all they can do now is watch things and they can be trapped by an urn which swallows their essence, which Holtz mentioned in the previous episode. Mm-hmm. Um... And, uh, yeah, and so Angel wants to know how he can make, how he can make him solid, as the little girl says, something, uh, he can sink his teeth into, um, and and that's when she's like, oh yeah, kill Lila. (laughs) Without hesitation, Angel moves to snap Lila's neck, but the girl stops him. And, uh, so she gives, she gives, like, a piece of paper to Angel that has a ritual on it that will return Sajan to his bodily form. And then Angel and Lila are thrown out. Uh, Fred and Fred and Gunn are at the uh, dumpster of Wes's building. <laughs> I love how I love how Fred just says, "Throw me away," <laughs> and uh, and Gunn does lift her into the dumpster, and she's able to find a uh, find a journal. Yeah. And they're going through them, and they see that Wes was so concerned about all of this. Um, he writes down that like a prophecy is gnawing at him, and uh, and uh, Gun is the one who finds in in other papers the that translated phrase "the father will kill the son." That's when uh, Fred puts it all together and says, "Oh, she wanted uh, Wes wanted to protect Connor from Angel should anything ever happen to him," and. Uh, and so she's like, oh, that's, you know, he was doing the right thing. It was the only thing that he could do. And uh, Gunn does say, like, well, he could have told us. <laughs> and we've mentioned before about how he probably would have told Cordelia, but yeah. it, it would have been. But, you know, and I think this are where his, like, disapproval of and more just kind of like probably resentment of their relationship mm-hmm. factored into it yeah um which i i think was wrong but i do find to be in character mm-hmm. yeah we we saw that yeah. um we saw that over a few episodes so yeah that that tracks um and so now they need to find angel and let him know this whole story uh so in the hotel angel's painted a bit of a lopsided pentagram uh he tried he tried his best um, i wonder if the pentagram being like lopsided is why sajan doesn't like appear in the hotel yeah just like in the middle of a random street i actually i 
I, they don't say one way or the other, but in my mind, yes, that is why. Um, so Lauren is trying to tell him, like, hey, you're messing with dark magic. It has dire consequences. Angel doesn't care. He says, uh, Lila is there. Linwood is still tied up. And uh, he says, uh, the only thing left is human blood. And so we get this really awesome scene of just Lila taking a knife. Because, you know, she and Linwood are the only two humans there. Mm -hmm. She walks towards Linwood with this knife, looks him dead in the eye, and then holds up her own hand and slices it open to drip the blood on there. What a power move. What a power move. What a power move. It's so fucking sexy. (laughs) It's so... Because, like, yes, cutting your boss while he's tied to a chair to provide the blood for the human sacrifice ritual thing is in and of itself a power move. But it's such a better... (laughs) I thought you were going to say is very much a boner inducer. (laughs) You know. Um, But it's so much... It's so much better for her to... She looks him dead in the eyes. And you can see her going, I could cut you. Nothing's stopping me. It gives her leverage. It gives her leverage. Yeah, and that's... Honestly, that's probably the greatest strength of Lila. Mm-hmm. She's always able to make sure that she has something yeah. that'll give her leverage. She has some kind of advantage. Now, I am going to say... Friends. Romans. Listeners. Uh, if you ever do have to provide human blood for medical purposes, for dark rituals, whatever, while, uh, while it is the most dynamically, visually interesting thing to slice your palm, um, that's... Sanitize the knife first, at least. Sanitize the knife first, but go for, like... Like maybe the back of your arm or some place that's not quite so active um, that's going to take so long to heal. And you know, it didn't necessarily say how much. Yeah. Um, it just said how how much, much blood is it? So, she prick your pricked. finger. She could prick your I'll, finger. If you, if a dark ritual is requesting that you provide human blood and does not specify how much, prick your finger first. See if just a drop works. No and reason sanitize, to sanitize. 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 There's no reason to go directly to cutting your hand. I mean, it's that, gonna, you're not going to be able. To, <laughs> you're not going to be able to use that hand for weeks, like. Uh, and that's going to be so hard to heal. So hard to heal because. You, you, yeah, you're always moving. Always your hand. moving your hand. So there, there are better places. A little bit like on the thigh, you know. There's just better ways to bloodlet for your dark rituals. There, this has been a uh, this has been a public service announcement from Booze and Buffy. Yeah. Uh, Angel reads the words from the from the incantation, and at first, it looks like Sajon is there, but then he just disappears. Mm-hmm. And Angel's like, he gets slingshot. Yeah, Angel's like, what the hell, Linwood? And just Linwood just doesn't know. Sajon uh, appears in the middle of a street, and then it's like. What the hell? Then immediately gets hit by a truck. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't really matter. He like lifts the truck up and uh, you know that w- just walks away from this car crash. But now he's like he's ready. He is ready to just kill some shit. Yeah. Um, and this is when so Angel's really pissed, and he like with Linwood still tied up. By the way, he's pulling him up. He's pulling that chair up the stairs, and. Uh, 
They and have an elevator. They what? have one. They have an elevator. Oh no, he's he doing is, this. He is purposely that, not this using is his own it. power move. <laughs> Everything he's done in front of Linwood has been a power move at yeah. this point. Uh, Lila says that um, they just detected a large amount of energy um, at the same time the spell happened, and that uh, somebody was hit by a truck. Uh, so <laughs> he just, just lets Linwood fall down the stairs. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. <laughs> you know how at the beginning of the first Avengers movie when Black Widow is tied to the chair and then when she's ready to escape, uh, she just, you know, she flips and shit. Yeah, and it's like I have, this guy, I have these guys right where I want them. Yeah. This is like that. If Linwood Murrow was never under full control of the situation, <laughs> which he was not. <laughs> um... So, uh, yeah, so Lila's like, oh, I'm going to try to free, uh, I'm going to free Linwood. This is when Gunn and Fred arrive, and, uh, and they're trying to tell Angel, like, why Wes did what he did, and, um, you know, he's still, like, he's not listening to them until Gunn's, or until Fred says the father will kill the son, and, um, and yeah, he's, and he, like, you know, he just can't believe that somebody believed that prophecy, because he never hurt any, he never hurt Connor or anyone he cares about, and then, uh, yeah, and he like tells Fred like, "Get out of my way," mm-hmm. and so she's like, "Okay," and uh, and then Lauren, yeah, he's like, like, "I'll never hurt anyone I care about." Get out of my fucking way, Fred. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and Gunn does mention he's like, "Yeah, but they were feeding you his blood. You said he smelled like food," and you know there's also the unspoken thing that i feel like ever is on everyone's mind but no one's actually say, saying in this scene specifically is like yeah you wouldn't hurt it or anyone you care about but angelus would and, and i love what lauren says later in the episode um about how there isn't anything more that he could have done with the information that he had mm-hmm. it's a very nice moment of clarity that angel needed i mean didn't heed it but yeah uh but yeah and so um they say uh yeah fred says uh we need to find wesley and uh gun says like uh oh yeah well i'm coming with you because you know if he hurts you i'm gonna kill him myself mm-hmm. referring to angel um Lo- uh Linwood and Lila are just like, blah, 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 we'll, we'll get you, Angel. <laughs> and you're a little dog, too. <laughs> um, he's, Angel's walking out of the hotel, and Justine and her troops show up and are completely ineffective. So, the scene that this made me think of was back in Buffy Season 5, Into the Woods, uh, the Riley's last episode. Um, and it's the scene where Buffy's surrounded by, like, six vampires and she just takes them out like in seconds um i like the choreography of that fight better than this one but the stakes here i felt were so much more real of angels who's like i don't have fucking time for this fuck you people yeah and then uh yeah and justine I don't even remember what she says to Angel, but some Angel, bullshit. Yeah, and then Angel says some like not great stuff back to Angel her. Angel says, um, "Oh fuck, I wish." Isn't it, is, it like leave, like uh, get your boyfriend to beat up on you or something? Yeah, something like that. Like, 
um, go find your boyfriend to beat up on you or something. Yeah, it was... Yeah, not great. But then again, you know, Angel's not in the right state of mind. I'm not saying that that excuses it, but that's why he said it. And he just doesn't have time for Justine and all this bullshit. Um, And this is yet another scene that just kind of proves how ineffective they are. Mm -hmm. Like, they here they are like, oh yeah, we're going to kill Angel now for Holtz. And then, you know, they all suck. For Holtz! Shut up, nerds. Um, The important thing is, is that Justine just like gets into Wes's car and drives away, leaving those other guys behind. (laughs) Fred and Gunn are like, oh, that's Wes's car, so she has to know where he is. So they decide to follow her. So uh, Angel then... This is an interesting scene. Angel gets to the accident, and he finds uh, the guy who was driving the truck. Um, He said that, like, it's all his fault um, because that he sort of caused the wreck. This guy came out of nowhere, and he hit him. And uh, and that's when Angel's like, oh, you know, it wasn't your fault. You didn't do anything. It was out of your control. Um, and uh, he tries to comfort him. And this is kind of a bit of a red herring. Because it is kind of trying to lead to the lead you to the conclusion, especially the episode's title, Forgiving, mm-hmm. that Angel's not completely lost. Yeah. Um, that they're still like the human the yeah. human side of them left in there yeah it is meant to give us some uh, some assurance it's like yes angel's mad he's doing some drastic things but he's still angel like mm-hmm. he's still gonna comfort this guy who needs it um yeah. and uh he finds uh when the guy says that he hit um the random guy in the middle of the street uh angel finds sajan's blood on the front of the truck and uh, he gets the scent. So we see Sajan. We are in Sajan's lair, and uh, and yeah, Justine is in there. Gun and Fred show up, and uh, they have this little heart to heart with her, saying that uh, and you know, Justine's like, all he 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 didn't care about me. All he wanted was the kid. I'm like, yeah, yeah, bitch. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, she says. Um, she basically kind of like puts Wes in the clear. It's like he didn't hand Connor over to Holtz willingly. She slit his throat, and um, and yeah, they she tries and, and yeah, and, and uh, when she says that, that sets Fred off, and she <laughs> smacks Justine. Then Justine—it's sh- funny because earlier in the episode, Gunn starts to go at Justine, and Fred's like, "Violent! We can't have any more violence. It's not going to solve anything." And then, <laughs> and then, yeah, here she's like, "Let me do some fucking violence." Yeah, um, they fight for a little bit, and then Gunn like throws Justine the floor, and you know she tries to fight Gunn. No, you are outclassed. Yeah, you are outclassed in every single way. Uh, but then. Um, Sajan arrives and he's like, Ooh, I can't wait to beat the crap out of all of you all. And um at first he at first he beats on Justine, uh, because you know, last time he saw her she tried to cut his head off. No. Didn't work because, you know, incorporeal. Um and so then he's like going to he, he basically just wants to kill Gun and Fred. And uh Gun tries he may, he's he can't. Just as Justine was outclassed against Gunn, 
Gun is way more outclassed against Sajan. Yeah. I mean, fuck, Angel kind of is. Yeah, like, Angel does show up, and um, here's where we get to the revelation. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, uh, Angel says, like, hey, you know what? You take me to Kortoth, we'll call it even. And, uh, and Sasha's like, no, I don't want to. And, um, yeah, and he only has the power to open up, to rip open reality, get to Kortoth once. Uh, if he does it again, he'll destroy the universe. And this is when he reveals that he changed the prophecy in the Niazian Scrolls, um, being able to travel back and forth through time. Um, he finds out that the actual prophecy said that the one sired by the vampire with a soul will grow to manhood and kill Sajan. Very specific. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's not a fan of it, so he decided to um, change the prophecy and get Angel's, uh, and get Angel's like arch nemesis to help him, uh, in, the ca- in this case, Holtz. And he's like, oh, well, Holtz didn't really do anything. He didn't go through with my plan, but West sure did. Yep. Because uh, so... specifically, he wanted Holtz to kill Darla before she could even give birth. Mm-hmm. Um, but Holtz had... It's hard to say whether it was a moment of uh, empathy or maybe we'll discover down the line, oh, I have a new idea. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Um... And that was at the end of a lullaby. End of lullaby. Uh, so Holtz, yeah, and Holtz, you know, wanted to let Connor live, raise him as his own son. So then, that's when he planted the false prophecies so that Wes would find out. Um, he says Wes was the only one who showed any kind of spine. Uh, Angel vamps out, and this is a really intense fight scene. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, and in the end, it's just too much. Like, he actually uh, throws Angel onto, like, the table in the room, and Angel devamps. Yeah. Normally, once Angel vamps, you're like, oh, man, it's all done for. <laughs> um, but Justine, who had a, uh, Justine, who had escaped uh, earlier, comes back with the urn that uh, Holtz apparently had. She apparently was able to go all the way back to Holtz's lair and then bring back <laughs> the jar and uh, she opens it, and uh, and Sajan is trapped in there. He's like, no, I was just about to kill him. <laughs> and so, yeah, big reveal was that he was never, it was never about Angel. It yeah. was about Connor. And all of this was for nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, essentially. Yeah. That, that just makes it all even more tragic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's that's something that both Buffy and Angel touch on Angel more than Buffy but how you know there seem to be these great big plans and big reasons for something but also shit happens Mm -hmm. and yeah it's it's very it's it seems anticlimactic but also very real Mm -hmm. um yeah so she says that uh uh, then Justine says, "Like, oh, I left Wes at the in the park um, near his house, and then she leaves. I uh, just let her go. So they get there, and um, they don't find him. And uh, Angel 
and Gunn notes that the sun is rising and Angel's just kind of looking at it. He's not making a move. Very reminiscent of amends. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seems like Angel's kind of like lost lost all hope because he doesn't have a way to get to Kortoth. He doesn't have a way to save his son. And, uh, and yeah, and he couldn't even stop the guy who was responsible for all of this. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're like, there's a moment where you think, oh, he just wants to let the son take him, but he does go back and, uh, and, um, Gunn and Fred are looking pretty much every hospital that they can for Wesley. And this one, Lorne has a very good talk with Angel that he completely disregards. Yeah. (laughs) But he says that, um, you know, you did everything that you could with the information that you had. There wasn't anything more you could have done, which made like the plan and how it worked out. Like it just hurts even more. Yeah. The fact that she couldn't do anything and Wes did everything that he could given the information that he had. They didn't. Wes did ninety percent of yeah. the things he could with yeah. the information. He with, had. with the exception <laughs> of like sharing this with Gunn and Fred. Um, and he says, like, you know, you need to forgive yourself. And, um, and so, uh, you need to, like, actually forgive Wes, too. Uh, because, because forgiving Wesley could be the first step to forgiving himself. Yeah. And what's more important is that, as, as Fred had been trying to say, like, Wes did what he did for all the right reasons. Um, with, like, little... Some bumps along yeah, the way. Little bumps along the way. <laughs> um, Fred calls. They um, that Wes Wes is found alive. He's taken to the hospital. Um, so Angel walks in. They say like, "Oh, he can't talk. He's in rough shape." And uh, Angel's like, "Oh, well, can I talk to him?" And Fred's like, "Yeah, I think yeah. that'll do him some good." Yeah. And, like, <laughs> and honestly, Sweet baby Fred. Honestly, if you don't know what's going to happen. I think it's very believable that oh, yeah. that that's exactly what he's going to do. He's going to go in and talk to Wes and forgive him. That is not what happens. No. And even though I don't remember, I didn't remember all the details of this episode, I will never ever forget the ending of this episode. Because, um, yeah, he, he says that he knows, he looks at Wes, Wes is awake, he can hear what Angel's saying, he says, oh, I want you to know that, um, uh, this is an Angelus talking. I know that, like, you were worried that if I turned evil, I would hurt Connor. Um, this is me. This is Angel talking. And then Angel grabs a pillow and starts to smother Wesley and just yells at him, like, you kidnapped my son, I'll kill you. Um, honestly, the fact that, like, he was able to, like, hold back on the F-bombs. <laughs> I could easily just be like, you stole my son, I'll fucking kill you! Yeah. Like, that just, that could fit so well in there. But, oh, easily. Network, network TV. Network. Um, yeah, and so, like, a bunch of nurses and orderlies come in and, like, you know, I have to drag him off, and he's, like, he's gonna make Wes pay for what he did. And Wes is just, like, staring, like, oh my god. Yeah. And that is the end of the episode. So, my question. Mm-hmm. Had intervention not happened... Do you think Angel would have killed Wesley? Oh, the state that he was in, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, that would have triggered like a whole nother storyline um, going forward. 
Uh, but yeah, he would have killed him. Yeah, I agree. I believe. I believe they would have. I absolutely believe he would have. Um, props to David Boreanaz. Yes. Uh, no, the he, whole episode, yeah, not just that scene. Yeah, because, you know, we saw him, like, be... We saw the emotional breakdown when he was talking about Cordelia bringing back presents. We saw, like, how determined he was and, like, how cool he was um, when he was, like, you know, ready to torture Linwood. Um, and now we see just like the raw anger that he's feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I think it's a really strong episode. It is. Um, it's fucking packed. Um, yeah. Cause you, so you feel much like you have, yeah, you have all of the fallout from everything mm-hmm. that happened in sleep tight. Yeah. It's packed, but it's not overstuffed. Yep. Um, cause I feel like we could, I want to, I want to clarify that because sometimes Episodes that are packed, that's not always a compliment. But yeah, in this case... And, and what a way yeah. to end it, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, my, uh, The Justine stuff is... That is the only thing that brings it down for It me. brings it down. It's unfortunately that where the narrative has taken... A, how the narrative is built, Justine is unfortunately a necessary evil, I think, at, in but, this episode. But, but the weakness of that doesn't get in the way of the other stuff no. being good no it's just like oh hey this is just something that's going on with it too so i can't give this episode a five out of five though it's very close mm-hmm. and i was originally going to give it a four out of five but i think that all the other stuff shines through the justine of it all that i feel safe in giving this a 4.5 dumpsters full of questionable food out of five yeah i agree um justine pulls the episode back but only a little bit um and yeah the rest of it is it is so good that it can it yeah it overcomes that weakness so yeah four and a half um gifts from cordelia uh out of five speaking of which i don't know about you but if i were watching this for the first time what i would want to see the most right now is how is Cordelia going to react to yeah. all this when she gets back? Yeah. I mean... And I'm ready for Cordy to be back. Me too. I will say, these episodes that have been without her, as Cordelia is my favorite character, I, you know, you would... I feel like people would expect that I'd be like, where's Cordy? But um, I actually think the show, despite how much I love Cordy and how indispensable I think she is to the show and how much I am ready for her to be back... Um, it's a testament to the rest of the cat, the rest of the supporting cast, that the bottom did not fall out from under them when when they lost when you know losing. Yeah, they were able to episode. use it. They yeah, they were able to use it um, in a really effective way. Great. And yeah, I'm, I am excited for her to come back. Um, but yeah, until then, uh, anything else to say? Nah, this fucking rocked. It did. Um, why don't you take us out then? Yeah. Well, thank you. For joining us, Sun Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Angel Season 3, Episode 18, Double or Nothing. I don't know why I went full Shatner. <laughs> I watched The Search for Spock a couple days ago. Maybe that's why. Underappreciated film. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij 357 I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. And I started a Threads... I don't know if I'll stick to it, but that's also Harrison Alexander Kaufman. Is that the is that the Facebook Twitter? Yeah. Okay. Um, 
I've lost track of it all. Right. Uh, That's C-O-F-F-M-A-N. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter on threads as well, or? Nah. Okay. (laughs) At Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out in all of those instances. Yeah. I'm trying to decide if it's worth it on my personal account before I make a Booze and Buffy one. Um... Please don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on your other podcast listening apps. And uh, each week we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week we like to highlight the Trump Legal Defense Fund because a true American patriot like Donald Trump deserves all of our support. And I'm just fucking with you guys. (laughs) Fuck that guy. Um... Harrison, I really would. I was hoping for a little bit of a bigger reaction, but I think you also knew that I was. I mean, I knew you were fucking with me, but I also was like, "Is there a fake Trump legal fund that's (laughs) like that like gives money to Democrats?" Like, because that would be hilarious. Another week, and unfortunately, another um, you know uh, storm, like a natural disaster, Mm -hmm. has affected uh, parts of the country. In this case, Florida has been hit by Hurricane uh, Idalia. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't remember, okay, honestly. <laughs> um, I actually haven't, like, I only read about it. I have not heard, like, I don't watch the news that much. I read the news. Yeah. Um, yeah, Hurricane Idalia, I mean, it, it hit Florida. It's making its way up to the Carolinas. So, um, obviously, a hurricane is means devastation, means that people are going to be in need of help. So, reach out to... Um, organizations that uh, help out people who are hurt by these natural disasters. Yeah. And as always, go slay. And be gay. Adios. Bye.